Welcome to Jen and Juice. We are two sisters who grew up humbly in the trailer park and in Sunday school, where we weathered the storms of kitchen scissor bangs, purity culture, fundamentalism, culottes, flannel boards, and fellowship hall potlucks. We remain devout to Jesus as we continue to wrestle out our faith with fear and trembling. We hope to provide a safe space to have real, raw conversations about everything and nothing, this and that, the secular and the sacred, you know, the juxtaposition of all things life. We want to use what the Lord has given us. Snark, quick wit, hard-earned wisdom. We promise to show up wobbly on some days, strong on other days. We aim to be a refreshing palate cleanse in a world starving for hope and light. We're like therapy you can afford. Because we're free. So, welcome to Gin and Juice. We're We're here here to help help a sister and brother out. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, guys. We're so glad that you're here this week. We are on week 11. Can you believe it, Jenny? No. I'm so proud that we've stuck with it. I know. <laughs> we heard a statistic this last week from a friend who was who was congratulating us and just encouraging and supporting us. And she reached out to tell Jenny this about podcasting. She said, and she's very knowledgeable, and she said that most podcasts um, after episode seven dwindle out. They mm-hmm. just stop. It's too much. It's too much. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot of work. We we spend a lot of time researching, preparing, praying, talking, planning, mm-hmm. and then producing. Because after we hit record, this is the fun, easy part. Yeah. And after we hit stop, then we go into post-production and all the other elements have to kind of come forth, which has been hard, you know, as we've recovered from strep. <laughs> Because here's our advice. Don't get strep. Don't get it. Avoid it. Yes. Just say no. Mm -hmm. It will take you down because we're not 10 years old. We're, as I've said before, 35. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Crosses uh, count. Yes. (laughs) And so your body just does not bounce back, y'all. It ain't fair. I know. This is two weeks post strep and I'm just now feeling better. Me too. Yeah. We actually have makeup on today. I know. (gasps) Our hair did. We got our hair did. We got our under eye cream on. But I'm still in my sweatpants and no socks. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny could do a zoom from the waist up, you know, so she's dressed and all cute. And then from the, from the waist down, she's in a garbage clothes. Yeah. Garbage (laughs) pail kid. (laughs) I'm like the uh, personified mullet. (laughs) I'm business up top. Well, it's not even party on the bottom. <laughs> Crawl back in bed and go to sleep. I was going to make a joke about a party in your pants, but I, I don't. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, sweats, yeah. sweatpants. Yeah. So, so um, you're talking a little different. Can you explain why? <laughs> well, I decided to do something real fun called adult braces. Braces. Um, I actually, I wore braces twice before as like a teenager. And um, anyway, my teeth have just continued shifting and moving. And just, I have a lot of crowding. I've got a lot of jaw pain. Anyway, old people problems. And so I need like my overbite fixed again. I need my, my bottom teeth or a train wreck. And so it's like, okay, let's do some braces. That'll be fun. My 12 year old and I can wear braces together. So I go in. Y'all can share bands. <laughs> <laughs> what 
colors did you get, Mom? <laughs> so I go in to get on like regular braces, and they start fitting me for the for all the brackets and then the the bands that go around the molars. Mm-hmm. And so they're putting what they are literally about to cement one on, and I have a complete panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. The girl's like, okay. Okay. And I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) and like, there's a teenager literally in the chair next to me. Like, oh lady, you're so embarrassing. Cringe. And I was cringing myself. I couldn't help it. Almost threw up. I had to go to the bathroom. I cried a little. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I brought, I brought shame on the family name because I had panic attack. And then I was like, no, I can't do this. I'm going to do Invisalign. So I went back last week. And because, yes, they actually did not fire me as their patient. They had a lot of grace. And so I'd like to say thank you so much, Dr. Carr and your staff for not uh, shaming me. You had every right to humiliate me because I deserved it. But (laughs) no, they just continued treating me well and with a lot of respect. So I went in last week and got fitted for my uh, aligner brackets. So I have like 40 of these that I have to wear over the neck. I get to wear over the next couple of years and get all this straightened out. So um, I've got to wear them 22 hours a day. So basically I only take them out to eat and then I soak them a couple times a day and clean them and put them right back in. So if you notice a little lisp or is Jenny, what, how do I start to talk? Well, now it's gin and juice. <laughs> what podcast you <laughs> your adult braces <laughs> guys we're doing great I've, I've never been sexier and sexier sexier <laughs> so yeah and every time you go to your um appointments now you're going to be greeted with a weighted blanket and some warm milk <laughs> a tranquilizer dart oh good times oh, it's so embarrassing so yeah so i've got braces and yeah Okay, so Sunday was Mother's Day. We we hope you all had a wonderful Mother's Day. Uh, I want to be really honest that um, my family, my husband, and my daughter do such a beautiful job of of honoring me and taking care of me. But that did not always come real naturally. And I don't say this um, at all to like say anything against Brad because he is amazing and he just he does everything for me, y'all. But he was not always great about acknowledging Mother's Day. And um, so there was a lot of Mother's Days when Emery was like six and younger that um, there was a lot of screaming, cussing and crying in the Phillips house on Mother's Day as Mama got overlooked, forgotten. Um, and and I think that has to do with like the way you were raised because he was a boy. He never had to do any of that. His mom was amazing and took care of all of that. Mm-hmm. She And she honored the women in their life so well. I mean, we have photograph books full of like Mother's Day pictures where she baked these gorgeous cakes and made meals. And But, you know, he was the son who never had to take care of any of that and so I think as a a a grown man it just went over his head like well you're not my mom um and that was his mentality but I remember our dad 
saying that mm-hmm. to our mom. And I think that's a shift to where you got to have conversations. Um, cause if your husband is not naturally like a gift giver, um, and if that is important to you, it's okay to say, Hey, this is important to me. Don't screw this up. Here's a little list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's some, here's some things I like. And, um, and, I started doing that with Brad because I was like, it really hurts my feelings. <laughs> and so whenever I made that, you know, a priority to have that conversation, and that's a hard conversation. I felt embarrassed to even say that to him, like, okay, I need you to honor me. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't even it. I wanted him to want to. And he was just like, oh, I never thought about the fact that like, I, you know, just when Emery was going to grow up, she would do that. And you know, until then you would serve us on Mother's Day. Right. <laughs> and so, or we'll take you to a nice meal and, and, you know, that's how we serve you and be done with it. And I was like, no. Um, and so anyway, I just, I want to give permission um, to have those conversations with your spouse. And um, cause I, I, I mean, I got to the point where I was so mad one year. I was like, look, it's going to cost you 45 million times more if you don't do the littlest thing for me. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm probably going to be unsanctified and I'm going to go, um, well, I'm going to go spend some dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, not that that was right, but uh, that was definitely where I, I, I boiled over into. And um, and so just having the conversation helped tremendously. Yeah. You know, Jeremy got me flowers one year and he's he's not a natural just gift giver. He is not a like his love language is not receiving gifts either. Mm-hmm. So for him, I think naturally that's just not something that he's like, oh, okay. But um he bought me flowers one year and they were beautiful. I mean they were absolutely gorgeous. But I told him I said, babe, these are gonna die in less than a week. Do not spend eighty five dollars on a bouquet of flowers. Buy me shoes. <laughs> I mean, I'll just be real honest. And I have every year, he's like, what do you want? And I make a list. Yes. I'm like, I want this, this, this. And I never want, like, I don't, we don't do gifts for each other for birthdays. We don't do Christmas gifts. We don't do any gifts pretty much. Yeah. And so for Mother's Day, I'm like, dang it, I'm making a list. And here it is. And he was so grateful because he's like, I don't know what to get you. I'm like, look on my list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I understand. They should just know. No, they shouldn't. Nobody just knows. We're not mind readers. Come on. Let's just make it easier for our spouses and get cut them a break you know Mm -hmm. and um you know the fact that they're going to do shopping for us is is sweet and kind and so yeah yeah and if you're not the gift person like if you're like that doesn't because brad's not he's like really do not buy me a gift he's all about acts of service so he's like help me clean something out that's what i want for my birthday i'm like you're like no here's a shirt (laughs) that's right So I'm like, okay, I've got it. You know, so that's what we do. I'm always like, okay, Father's Day's coming. What do you want for Father's Day? And sometimes he may have a gift that he's like, I want this, you yeah. know, and so that's what we're going to do. Or sometimes it's a, he's like, will you help me do this or do that? And, you know, and it's more of an acts of service type of, of gift. And he is elated over it. So I just want to say, have those conversations. And I'm sorry if you did not have a good Mother's Day. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if, if nobody you know, honored you in any significant way. The Lord sees, He knows, and I know that's not, sometimes that feels like a Band-Aid over a bullet hole, mm-hmm. and I don't. we don't mean it in a trite way, but the Lord really does see, and I just pray conviction over all those who did not see you. That's right. <laughs> Praying for you. Yes. So anyway. 
Okay, so you had a little, we didn't have a red pen, Mm-mm. but you had something to say to a valued listener. We would like to honor our valued listener, Papa Geese. What, what? <laughs> we love you, Papa Geese. We do. He's our biggest fan, only second to <gasps> Prince Harry. <laughs> According to Gaga. According to our mother, <laughs> Prince Harry obviously listens to this this podcast. And then our second largest fan in the whole wide world is Papa Geese. Mm-hmm. And we got to hug him on Sunday at church. And um, he cracked us up and he gave us a little bit of advice, which we accept and receive. And he said, hey, y'all need me to come on. Mm-hmm. And we were like, absolutely we do. Because we need that dad, granddad perspective. Mm-hmm. We need that male voice. Um and so Papa Geese, just expect a phone call because we are definitely going to have you on this podcast because we right. know we can gain some fabulous uh, wisdom from you and all your insights. That's so right. anyway, get ready for that phone call. <laughs> Pencil us in, Papa Geese. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this week is super fun because it's called End of the Year Train Wreck. Oh. Okay. What's happening? Okay, I have one child. You have three mm-hmm. the, this week. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just do it. Let's just tell them what's happening tonight. Choir concert. Yep. Um, tomorrow, um, I've got to get go to the doctor, doctor appointment, mm-hmm. you know. Same. Yeah, you've got Friday. doctor's appointments this week. Uh, then Thursday, awards banquets and dance. And Friday, dress rehearsal for dance recital. Saturday, two dance recitals sunday sunday bubba's birthday (gasps) celebration yeah sunday (laughs) is bubba's birthday celebration and i preach at a church oh that's right so we have nothing going on this week i was writing a message yesterday actually finishing the message because i've i wrote it during strepocalypse when i could lift my head that was what i was working on and so i was finishing that up yesterday and oh man yeah and then bubba's birthday Mm -hmm. and so it's a crazy week it is and my children want me to pick them up early every single day, except Friday when they get out early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Friday's going to be like their fun party day. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Do they get to have a party in their classrooms? They get to bring breakfast mm-hmm. and it's, it's a chill day for yeah. sure. I mean, this whole week, the teachers have fun things going on for them. Yeah. And um, like little themed uh, events. Malin had a camp out in her classroom for third grade yesterday, all the third grade did a camp out for their students. And so they converted their desks into tents oh. and they had s'mores and then they did educational games with them. And Malin just had the best time camping because that's the only time she'll ever go camping. Absolutely. We don't even glamp. Give me a break. <laughs> that is so cute. Mm-hmm. And so second grade has a bunch of different events this week too, like tomorrow's deer day. Oh my God. I love oh. me a deer day. Best day every semester. We got to do it like once a semester, I feel like. I feel, yeah, I think for a while we did. Yeah. And then Texas was like, you have to have so many minutes of math. Well, guess what, Texas? Math sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate math Mm. so much. (laughs) Oh, I hate it. I helped Emery on a a star test, like a pre-test at home. 24 questions with my help. We got 16 correct. (laughs) I was like, I don't care. (laughs) 
I legitimately do not care. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, so anyway, so we are ready for school to be O-V-E-R. Yes, you can spell. I can spell. There we go. <laughs> so we all have our gifts. So welcome to episode 11. Today, Jenny, you want to tell us what we're going to talk about? Yes, today is what parents just don't understand. And it is all about things we've learned being moms or parents and advice we'd give to new moms or parents. Oh, do y'all remember that Will Smith, Fresh Prince song, Parents Just Don't Understand? Yeah, there's so much we don't understand. Still. We never will. (laughs) No, we thought we knew it all when we were teenagers. Oh, yeah. That's the irony of life. Mm -hmm. As a teenager, we know it all. And then we became parents and we're like, we know nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. So, Jenny, why don't you kick us off? Because we've we've surveyed some friends. Mm -hmm. You have friends who range from every walk of life with graduating seniors to little tiny babies. And even a friend who's an Mm OBGYN doctor who has just a brilliant mind and heart. And so anyway, Jenny has done some great research on this. I'm excited to hear kind of your list. Yeah, it was so funny because I reached out to uh, different groups that I'm involved with and I'm like, okay, my wise old owls, I need your, I need your advice. I need things that you've learned. And my OB friend sent me basically a soap note. And if you don't know what a soap note is in the medical field, it's like the subjective portion, what the patient says, the objective portion, which you measure um, the assessment and the plan. And she basically sent me a soap note and I was loving it she was just excited typing it i nerded out oh my gosh i was like like you're speaking my language (laughs) jenny is a technical nerd by nature y'all she loves the science (laughs) i do medical science Mm -hmm. is my best friend Mm -hmm. okay so um the funny thing is i had created a list myself and then i reached out to my friends and a lot of them were worded differently, but the sim- but similar over. I mean, like similar theme. Yeah. So one of the biggest things across the board that I had written down and that I had received from them is basically pick your battles. Mm. So they said if it doesn't matter in five years, eighteen years, ten months, then it's probably not that big of a deal right now. Oh, so, so in good. general, pick your battles and. I think that there was an overall arching thing, too, that is basically, um, well, I'll save that for later Mm because that kind of ties into something later. But basically, pick your battles, which I love because that's so wise. You can die on a hill Mm -hmm. that means nothing in the end game. Mm -hmm. And you just look foolish. And it's like you're just trying to be right. Yes. And then your three-year-old is like, no, I'm writer. (laughs) I am writer than you are, and I'm going to show you. And your three-year-old, your three-year-old is like, I'm a tiny terrorist, and uh-huh. I will take you down. And they do yes. with the alligator roll or whatever means they find. Yes. So pick your battles. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so wise. We we've kind of adopted a phrase this year when Emery just kind of at us for any reason, and and because my natural propensity is to rear back. Mm-hmm. You know, I see red, but. I have really prayed through and tried to really recognize like the life stage that she's in and what she's going through. Um, and so like we've, I've made it a joke and Emery thinks it's hilarious. So it's, it's an acceptable joke to my child, <laughs> but I'll say, Oh, puberty. And <laughs> she, it will typically make her laugh, you know, because I mean, she might be really like, 
disrespectful in a second. And I know she doesn't mean it. I know she's tired. I know she's whatever. And I'm like, because again, my natural propensity is shut that thing down, Mm -hmm. shut it down quick and harsh. And that's only going to make it worse because she's already elevated. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we can diffuse this. How do we diffuse? And so that has been an overarching thing it, just to say, oh, puberty, you know, <laughs> and she will laugh and I'll laugh. And then now her joke to me, if I'm, um, say mom's being a little sassy, she'll be like, "Ugh, menopause. <laughs> so, so that was hurtful. Um, cause I'm only 34. Right. Um, I mean, weird. Yeah, so weird. So yeah, I think that's wise though. Choose your battles. Um, and it's harder when they're little because you do have to kind of stay on top of some things oh, yeah. because they don't yet have any like boundaries in place and reasoning skills aren't there. And so you do have to, I think, guide that. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but, like if they're going to run across the street and there's a car coming, you're not going to be like, oh, well, I can't yell at him. No, you freaking yell whatever name comes to mind and you get him out I of would, the street. I'll pull her by the hair yes. to pull her back from a, a car racing down I the street. I have grabbed a ponytail or two in my time. Amen. So and I, I do not apologize. No, like, no. Guess I'm, what? You came away unscathed. That's right. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> you can tell your therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Mom saved your life. So, yeah, no, I think that's that's really good. Choose your battles, y'all. That's right. Okay. Mine is, I, and I heard this from so many moms. Okay. You cannot parent each child the same. Yes. I had that from everybody. Everybody. Yeah. And I have one child. So I really want Jenny to speak into this because... I know that's true because Jenny and I grew up together, sisters, 17 months apart. I'm I'm Juice and I'm the older sister. And we we were, I mean, we we're very similar, but mm-hmm. we are very different. If you know us, we are very different mm-hmm. um, in personality, in the way we process. Like Jenny loves science. I have to say science so I know how to spell it correctly. <laughs> I have to know where to place that silent C. So I know nothing about science, you know? And so that, so we're different. And we watched our parents parent us differently. Mm -hmm. For example, Jenny, you got in trouble for what grade? I was in ninth grade and I was in geometry, which is a 10th grade uh, core subject here in Texas. Wow, bragger. (laughs) Braggy, brag, brag. (laughs) She's smart. That ha- also has a silent C. <laughs> <laughs> or smart with your brain. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so I was in geometry in ninth grade, and I hated geometry. I was an algebra girl. I got algebra. It just clicked with my brain. Geometry was math of the devil. And I had to learn proofs and memorize proofs, which now they don't even do. And I'm very mad about it. So, I mean, I'm glad for y'all that you don't have to learn that, but I'm very mad that Mm -hmm. I had to learn it because why? Yeah. It's no point. Yeah. And so I made a 91 on a report card and I got grounded, (laughs) grounded because I wasn't living up to my potential. Jennifer. Jennifer Michelle. Oh, I was grounded. I had to come home every day, which I mean, like I wasn't very social anyway, because I was a nerd. And I mean, I had gr- I had good friends, but I mean, it wasn't like I, my social card was full on the weekends. But I just had to tell my one friend, "No, I can't go." Mm-hmm. So to math club, <laughs> I was not in math club. I was in decathlon. 
and annihilated it. <laughs> she was also the state champion orator <laughs> in UIL <laughs> in a different year. This girl uh, can give a speech. So oh. yeah, I got a 91. Okay. And what did you get? Juice. <laughs> Jessica Renee, you're in ninth grade and you got an 81 in earth science. I'm so proud of you. Man. Because Jessica Renee did not have the brain uh, that God gifted Jennifer Michelle with. And so there was definitely a level of I was working as hard as Jenny in my basic classes to pull A's and B's. Um and a lot of times I got A's, but you know, these were, these were not honors classes. I took one honors class ever. And, and so that did not come as naturally to me at all. I had to work so hard, so hard for it. Um, and, and, and mom and dad recognized that. Mm-hmm. And, and dad especially was like, Hey, her 81 in earth science class is <laughs> Jenny's in like chemistry in the same year and she's younger than me and you know she's pulling a 95 in chemistry you know it's just that he knew it was there was a difference and he was not going to allow us to compare Mm -hmm. because he loved Jenny Mm -hmm. he loved her and he loved me and there was stuff Jenny got away with because she was funny (laughs) she could diffuse and I mean he would be so stinking upset about something and Jenny would say something and she would make him laugh. And, you know, and it was like, all right, kid. Okay. You know, whereas me and my tongue of fire, (laughs) I was not going to make everyone laugh. I was going to burn it to the ground. I remember being little and Jessica would get in trouble (laughs) and, um, she would be sent to the corner or whatever. And our parents did spank us, but not all, not, not for every offense. No. But um, I remember one time she w- was sent to the corner and from the corner, she was still defending her case. And little Jenny Johnson was very loyal to her sister. And I would go stand in the corner with her oh. and I would be like, just stop talking. <laughs> just shh, stop talking. And I couldn't. She was like, no, they have to know I'm right. right. Like, I know you're right. Just stop (laughs) talking. And Jenny would stand there and cry Mm. with me. Sweet, sweet sister. So, yes, there was we definitely witnessed it growing up in the same house and we saw the different parenting techniques. We've talked about the fact that dad took care of like Jenny's car maintenance. Mm. Whereas for me, he made me like get out in the garage and learn how to change a tire, um, you know, oil changes. Cause I just think he never thought I was going to have a man or I was never going to let anybody help me with anything. And not that he thought that Jenny was some like little, um, I think he just thought Jenny was going to be such a professional. She was going to pay people to have those. <laughs> I was going to have a staff. Yeah. Now I am the staff and I had to learn it all by myself anyway. <laughs> yeah. I can change a tire. Yes. yes. Figure out the mechanics. That's right. <laughs> because of science, Jenny. Science. Yes. So, but I'm only raising the one. So mm-hmm. I don't have that perspective as a parent. So give me your perspective because you have three daughters. Tell them, remind them the ages of your girls. So Karis is 16. Malin is nine. And Micah is almost eight. She'll be eight at the end of the month. And let me tell you, they are... They're all very similar, kind of like us, but then 
just worlds apart Mm -hmm. in other aspects. So Karis being the first and being seven years older, I had her for seven years only by herself, only child for seven years. Mm -hmm. And she was, she was so easy. I always said she was more of like an accessory than a baby. Oh, totally. She was so easy. She was. And she, I mean, it was like nighttime was hard because she didn't want to stop. She wanted to keep going. She wanted to be a part of everything. I mean, as a little bitty baby, she wanted to be with adults. She wanted to be in conversation and but she wasn't like a bratty kid that was like oh my gosh will that kid go away every single person who's ever been around her has said what a joy she is and what a delight Mm -hmm. and she's so mature wise beyond her years and so she just she meshed with adults she meshed with kids she was just so easy and if I corrected her one time that was it that was it (laughs) I mean only one time twice she was two and she threw a wall-eyed fit at a mall and she was walking and she didn't want to be put in her stroller so for us to leave at the store and um she was throwing a fit and i was like if you throw a fit you're going to hit your head and i'm going to let you and she just looked at me with that fire in her eyes that was rarely there but every once in a while and she threw a fit fell down bonked her head on the little um like the thing that that holds the clothes yeah the base of it yeah and she hit the back of her head on it and she got quiet yeah and i stood there and i kept looking at whatever i was looking at and i looked down at her to make sure she wasn't bleeding Mm -hmm. and that her eyes weren't rolling in the back of her head and she quietly got up and got in her stroller (laughs) self-discipline yes she never did it again never and then she would throw the biggest fits during bath time because she never wanted to get out of the bath. So yes. she would alligator roll. And one time I had a popper and I left a hand mark because her hiney was wet. And I cried and cried and cried. Jenny was calling CPS on herself. We were like, stop. <laughs> She's fine. Oh, my goodness. And so and that was the only time I had to do that. So very few times have I ever had to stay on her about anything. She yeah. just hears it once and she's done. Yep. Malin is... Oh my goodness, she's nine, middle child. She is, she wants to pacify everybody. She wants to be the peacemaker. She um, is very sensitive. And so for her, a, 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 a mean look will just crumble her spirit. Yeah. But she's a door slammer. Oh no. I did and not know so this. And so is Jeremy. Oh. And so Malin <laughs> um, slammed her door one time and I told her, you slam it again you will not have a door on your room. Mm-hmm. And so so she and Micah have rooms that are on opposite sides of the house, but they have a Jack and Jill bathroom. Mm-hmm. So the draft from the air conditioning, if one, if the air, if the AC is on and somebody is like, has a door barely open, yep. it kind of sucks the doors. Yeah. And so her door slammed because of that. And she opened it goes, mama, I didn't do it. I promise. <laughs> oh. It's like, mm, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, baby. Yeah. And then there's Micah. Oh, my Bubba. I have said time and time again, I never had to truly parent until I had Bubba. (laughs) And I've parented three times over (laughs) with that child. She is a force. She is hilarious. And now I see where dad would get so mad at me because he he would try to get onto me about something. And then I would say something and make him laugh. That's Micah. Oh, through and through. She is hilarious, y'all. And her, she's physically funny. Yes. And so even with her body movements and her facial expressions and then her wit, yeah, I'm like, dang you. I know. She has adult, like, 
comedic wit. Yes, I can't even, and timing. And timing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's too funny. And they're all different Enneagrams. I've, only Karis has taken the test, obviously, but like Karis is a one. She's a perfectionist. <laughs> Malin, we think, is a four, which is very rare. Super fun. Very emotional. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. All the feels. Mm-hmm. And then Mike, and, they, and they hold it inside. Yes, she's an yeah, she's yeah. an introvert for sure, big time. And then Mike is an eight, the challenger, <laughs> and boy, she embodies that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Micah means who is like God? Mm-hmm. Question mark. Mm-hmm. And I had a, <laughs> my our preacher said, so does she embody the question mark? <laughs> she absolutely is the embodiment <laughs> of the question mark. She's going to question everything. Everything. So. Who is like God? Who is like Satan? Uh-huh. How is this made? Want to find out? That's right. <laughs> Why? 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 Yeah. Yeah. So it's very different for all of them, especially yeah. like birth order comes into play. Yeah. Personality types. Um, well, and you have that um, because Karis is 16 and then... Malin is nine. Mm-hmm. So how many years do seven? Steps to seven because mm-hmm. I'm good at math. There's a seven year age gap. So that's like starting over. Oh, yeah. And so in birth order, if you have read any of those books birth, uh, about birth order, when there's more than a five year age gap, really, and birth order sometimes will argue three to four years, mm-hmm. it, it's like. Karis is the firstborn, and Malin is also a firstborn. Absolutely. And I see so much of that. Yes. She can definitely go firstborn in a heartbeat, and then that middle child of, okay, I want everybody to do, just get along, and I'll do whatever to pacify yes. everybody. And um, so, it's yeah. it's Yeah. And she can be headstrong, too. Yeah. And very sensitive. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then your, your two younger girls are only, like barely 16 months Mm -hmm. apart, like so close in age. And so parenting them has been like, almost like parenting twins. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, that's probably held its own level of, I would think that would be hard because they're so close in age and yet the different personalities. Oh yeah. And and just hard to separate. Like when they got in trouble together, how did you handle that? Like when they were disobedient together, what, what would you do? They, typically do not get in trouble together unless they're fighting each other. Okay. So that has been the thing that, um, and it kind of depends on who instigates it. Mm -hmm. If Micah instigates it, it's easier because, you know, she's so headstrong and I can, you know, either because we do spank sometimes. I spanked Micah not too long ago and that was, I hadn't spanked her in forever. Yeah. But she sassed off and I kept telling her, you either get thumped in the mouth or you're going to get spanked for your sass. <laughs> yep. So you pick. And that day I was like, okay, I'm going to spank you. Uh-huh. And it was, it was just done. But, and she hasn't sassed off like that since. Yeah. So, um, but like if Malin instigates it, it's harder because she's so hard on herself. <laughs> And then Bubba plays like the victim so well. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's challenging. It's it's very challenging. Yeah. Because you don't want to crush them, but at the same time, you've got to set the boundaries. Because if if they if you give them an inch, they're like, huh, gotcha. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Oh, that's so good. So just take your time and learn your kids yes. too. Yeah. And 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 don't be afraid to to discipline and guide Uh, one of my friends that I reached out to she said she's got grown kids and now grandkids and she actually said that she said each child is very different so multiple parenting skills are needed oh that's so good yes and she said know your kids hearts each of their hearts separately and you have to adapt to how to respond to each child in each scenario so Mm. parenting is freaking exhausting (laughs) 
Because yeah. even like if you try to handle something with, you know, one of your kids, how you handled it before, it might be a flop. Yeah. And maybe they've learned to manipulate in a different way or mm-hmm. they've learned to beat the system in a different way or right. whatever. So you're constantly learning alongside them, right. learning their boundaries. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, that that's my thing is you can't parent each child the same way. Not at all. What else, Jenny? What else do you got? Okay. This was brilliant. It said, one of my friends said, she's also got adult children. Um, if you're trying to teach something important, like potty training, reading, driver's ed, anything like that, that's, you know, crucial, um, and, and necessary, and either one of you is crying or upset in any way, stop mm-hmm. and start over fresh the next day. Yes. So don't, and account, that kind of goes back to picking your battles as well. Yeah. Um, because if you know this this task has to be learned, yeah. you know this thing has to be crossed off a list because it's you know part of maturity or development or whatever, um, but it's hard. And mm-hmm. there are, especially with driving, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility in that for both of you as yeah. the parent and the child. Yeah. And so you do come to blows with, their, with your kids, even verbally or emotionally. Yes. Um, I remember Karis going, Mama, when are you going to teach me how to drive? And I'm like, oh, that that's, uh, uh, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not it. Gaga. <laughs> Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was... It was so hard to relinquish control Mm -hmm. because all that flashed through my mind was the idiot drivers on the street that are going to annihilate my precious angel baby. Yes. And all I could see was red, like, oh, they're going to hurt my kid and then I'm going to go to jail because I'm going to kill him. And that's all I could see. And so Karis took that as she didn't want that. I didn't want her to learn or I didn't want to teach her. And I'm like, no, I don't want to send you to the wolves. Right. Right. So she just, the perspective of that too was so different because she took it so personally. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to protect you, but also control you. Right. So, you know, there's that (laughs) aspect too, but yeah, there were a lot of tears and a lot of arguments. And so we did, we, we would drive for 10 minutes and we would come home Yeah. and then we would do it again the next day. Yeah. And I I learned that with Emory through homework, there were some (gasps) things that were just ridiculous. And, and finally I got to a point where I reached out to a teacher and just said, like, we've been working on this for like 90 minutes and we're both in tears and we're like a quarter of the way done. And she was like, stop. Yeah, <clears throat> And so I just made that a rule that because Emery pushes herself, she works hard. She is not lazy. She's not looking for the easy way out. And But if, if we are there and she's that exhausted mentally and emotionally, I'm done. Mm-hmm. We're, we're done. And I will reach out to a teacher and say, we're done. Yeah. But I'm not even going to push her for, I mean, that's ridiculous. And so, um, when I implemented that, boy, that changed things. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. so good, too, to, as a reminder for, like, communication. You have to fight for your kids. You do. Um, Melinda, the same way. She yes. she had concepts that she had already mastered, but it was part of her homework. Yeah. As a, um, like a... Review. Spiraling in. Yeah, yes. review. And she would just... She's like, Mama, I did math all day. I did this all day. I'm just... I'm tired. And she would just be ready to have a snack, sit in her room for 20 minutes, play her Barbies by herself and decompress. Yes. And an hour, like you said, 90 minutes later, we were on problem four. 
And so I reached out to her teacher and her teacher was like, oh my gosh, no, yeah. quit. Yeah. Do not do that. And so just, I mean, and I'm so thankful for educators who do partner with you in yes, that because that's so, so crucial because we want them to love learning. Yes. And we, um, Emery is dyslexic as, as I've discussed before. And we had a, her principal was so wonderful in talking to me and explaining it to me. Um, cause I think she has a background in reading. Mm-hmm. Our, our principal very does. strong yeah. and um and sped, special and, ed yeah mm-hmm. and she said um you know if emory can do four questions and it takes her say that say the assignment is 20 questions and it takes the average you know student 25 minutes to do them all well it might take emory 55 minutes to do 20 questions right so if she can get four done we know that she understands the concept mm-hmm. and but the way that her brain processes it takes so much longer to get to the the answer because of of the processing issue and so that helped me too because i i didn't i have no background with dyslexia i didn't know that and and so that has helped me um and then too she said and she will not grow out of this yeah like you don't grow out of dyslexia you learn skills and you learn tricks for the brain and you learn helps for the brain and but but she will always probably process when she's reading whether it's math or you know paragraphs or whatever just a little bit slower just she's not slow y'all she's quick and she's smart and all the things but it's going to take her a second to look at it and it to register and so that helped me you know so i definitely reach out um to, to your educators because they can help you and guide you and inform you in, in those years. Um, cause it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Homework is hard. Oh, I know I'm ready for it too. Well, we don't have any this week. Praise the Lord. Best Praise week ever. <laughs> Best week. Yes. Okay. Was that mine or was that yours? That was yours. Okay. What you got? Okay. This kind of comes out of the book that we've been talking about, the Andy and Sandra Stanley book, um, Parenting, Getting It Right. And we've invited y'all to do a, a book study with us if you want to this summer, kind of a small group. Let's get some, you know, moms and dads and single parents, single moms, single dads. Let's get together and let's uh, talk about this book and let's uh, learn from one another. But Andy talks in the book about this very simple statement. He says it's always about relationship before reputation Ooh. or relationship over reputation. And he was a pastor's son. His dad is was the famous Charles uh, Stanley, who just recently passed away. And Charles Stanley, at one point in time, um, was the pastor of like the largest church, Southern Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And he was a big time part of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, uh, serving high in the leadership. He may have even been the president at one time of the Southern Baptist Convention. But um, anyway, he was this big public pastor. And Andy and his sibling, his sister, they were growing up with this, you know, as these kind of famous preacher's kids, sort of. And he just remembered someone coming to his dad and, and Andy had done something that dad did not yet know about. And, um, and, and this person kind of wanted out Andy and like, be like, Hey, did you know that he was doing this? And it, you know, shame on him and shame on you. You know, that's your kid. You better. And his dad said, 
you parent your kids and I'll parent mine. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And and so he told Andy, he said, you know, son, you know, I know this happened. And he wasn't even really upset with Andy, you know, about it. He was just like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. You know, it was not even a big deal. But this this very conservative parent thought it was a big deal and was going to, you know, shame the pastor and shame the pastor's kid. And Andy said, what my dad taught me in that moment was that his relationship with me was valued higher than his own reputation in the church or the community. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so important. It is not about what people think about your parenting or your kids. You have got to do the things um, that preserve the relationship with your child. And if you ever get that backwards, you will lose your kids. Yeah. If you ever put your reputation or even their reputation Mm -hmm. over the relationship, that's the quickest way to disintegrate the relationship. So even if they're messing up or you haven't, you know, you have that prodigal, you know, young adult child, teenager, man, love them, be there for them, guide them, but make sure you are pursuing the preservation of the relationship and not the preservation of a reputation, yours or theirs. And that even goes for how other people's kids treat your kids. Amen. Dad was always the biggest defender of us when it came to, well, nobody ever said anything as an adult, like your kids are doing this or your kids are doing that because Mm -hmm. we were, I mean, we were well-behaved kids always. we were. And, but other people's kids, if they were, aggressive or anything dad had no problem going up to their dad and being like are you gonna get them or am i yes like you have an option but (laughs) i'm gonna be the one who finishes this if if you don't yeah yeah and he never made it i mean he was never secretive about it he like went to the parents Mm -hmm. gave them an opportunity and if they wouldn't handle it he was gonna yeah he would he was really um, upfront about those things but he also felt like especially inside the church that yeah. would often happen like in relationships inside the church so we had real relationships with these people and dad was like hey you're missing this yeah like guide that kid or i'm gonna sit him down mm-hmm. and talk with them and guide that kid and he had to a couple times yeah <laughs> And he did. Yeah. And you know what? They loved him for it. That yeah. was like a, you know, another a, a spiritual dad sitting you down and telling you like, hey, you are messing this up mm-hmm. and, and, or you're about to, yeah. you know, and, and he didn't, and dad did not care about the reputation of the child. He cared about the relationship that that child was going to be in afterwards with all the parties involved, yeah. you know, because there was always going to be casualties. And, and he just saw those things and he was like, hey, let me help you, yeah. you know. And so he but he had that personality to like go sit down and have some conversations. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and we've got to do that for one another, I think, you know, and um, and yeah, because we definitely have blind spots in our own parenting with our own kids. Oh, for sure. You know, and so uh, I think being willing and humble enough to hear somebody else, you know, speak into um, maybe an issue that's going on with your kids. And I know that can be really hard mm-hmm. and really tender because it's your kids somebody's talking to you about. But when you know that they love your kid, yeah, that they love that that the person of your child and they love you and your family 
and they can maybe speak into that and it helps preserve relationships along the way. Let those voices in Mm -hmm. because God, that's a gift from the Lord. Oh, for sure. As even as hard as that might be to hear, it's, it's still a gift. So preserve relationship over reputation. Yep. And in that is one of my, that a friend said, she said, I've learned that the right village is crucial to sanity. Oh man. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Cause it's parenting is not just about parents and children. (laughs) It is about everybody else that's in your world. And if you have those people who are your tribe that you just, you trust them, they're, they're godly, they're wise. They are there for the benefit of, of you and your children. Then if one of them comes to you and says, Hey, your kid's being a butthole, (laughs) maybe more tenderly than that, (laughs) (laughs) then you know, like, Oh my gosh. Okay. And you don't take that personally. You're like, okay, I'm on it. Yes. But you've got to have the right village around you with your children. You absolutely do. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's so important. And because they're picking up on everything and they're deciding who they're going to be. Uh, based on what they're seeing, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so that is so important. And and to have strong people around that you are not afraid to allow other adults to to shepherd your kid. Yeah. You know, you have to be wise. I and mean, we are not saying throw them to the wolves. No, no never. Be wise. Be vigilant. Uh, be discerning. Um, it, but to let other people speak into your kids is so it's so important. Mm-hmm. And they say there's a statistic that says that whenever your child grows up in the church, if you are there regularly enough that when your child walks into the church and one or two adults know your child by name, so, so y'all walk into church on Sunday and Pastor Kelby says, hey, May May, hey, Karis, hey, Bubba. The fact that that adult recognizes your child, your child feels seen mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. They are not there. They are not a reflection of mom and dad in that moment. They are the image bearer of God. And it says that the the, the uh, basically recidivism, like your kids growing up and returning to the church when they can choose not to, mm-hmm. th- the percentage is higher that they will return because they know, hey, somebody's going to miss the fact that I'm not there. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's going, they knew me by name. Mm-hmm. Like I mattered. And and so I like take them, take them to church, invest in kids, you know, wherever you can, whether that's after school programs or I don't know, but just in the lives of your friends, kids too. Absolutely. It just matters. Yeah. What okay. you got? Um, okay. One of our friends who has um, high school students said, talk about sex. Yes. Okay, so talk about sex because they're going they're hearing about it from everywhere and um and also Jenny and I grew up in evangelicalism, so to give to define that, it's I always say um the evangelicals are the Baptists or the non-denominational um non-charismatics. Okay? okay. So a lot of churches became like we started out in my church as an adult, young adult, and we were we were a Baptist church, and like we re, re 
named, reconstituted, and became this non-denominational church. But our practices were baptism. Um, And so, if you grew up in evangelicalism in the 1990s, if you were in the Baptist church of any kind, um, we we were swept up in what was called purity culture. And so, some of what purity culture looked like was there was a famous book called uh, So I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and it was by this author, um, what was his name, Josh McDowell? I don't know. I blocked it out. Yeah. Uh, he I kissed dating goodbye. So purity culture, I think, was the attempt um, of every all the adults who grew up in, there was this free love movement in the 70s, okay? And so, so now we need a correction to that inside of of the communities of faith, mm-hmm. because we, if we believe scripturally, then we believe that sex is, um, is really best used in marriage. It's mm-hmm. the safest place. It's God's design and plan for, for sex is inside of, you know, covenant marriage. Right. And so how are we going to grip, you know, these young people, who are all just hormonies. Mm-hmm. They're just raging. Sex, drugs, and rock and That's roll, right. They're baby. just raging hormones. <laughs> and so all this kind of literature came out um, about like what that looked like. And so this, this book that really shaped a generation of us, and whether you read it or not, your youth leaders read it, your pastors read it, and you were receiving that in an installment anytime sex was talked about in your youth group. If it was ever talked about. If exactly, and so uh, this book was like we're, we're courting. We're going to court. We're going to you know we're not going to be alone. We're not going to kiss until we are down the aisle mm-hmm. saying I do. That's going to be the first kiss. Okay. <laughs> well, yuck. <laughs> and I know some of y'all did that, and you have a beautiful story. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you on for the other half of us how this thing <laughs> went. Not like that. No, um, did not go like that. And so, which by the way, the this author ended up writing a second book called, um, I gave dating a chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he kissed dating goodbye. Then he gave dating a chance. And then now years later, uh, just recently, very, very sadly and tragically, uh, he and his wife of all these years divorced and he completely deconverted his faith. Like he no longer believes in Jesus and uh, just just really heartbreaking. Um, so all that to say, there was so much toxicity built into and shame built into sex inside of purity culture and that the only thing that we could offer our spouse was our virginity. And this was especially a solid message given to the girls. So the central message really inside of purity culture was the goal is to be a virgin on your wedding day. And anything short of that, you are dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it really created was so much dysfunction inside of a lot of marriages mm-hmm. um, who who did that. And then they were terrified of sex because sex was bad. And you're, and then now all of a sudden that's what the whole doctrine you've been taught is sex is bad. Sex is dirty. Sex is bad. And then now you're married now permission to do it all. And it's going to be the best you've ever had. (laughs) 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 For most of these women that grew up in that, that just was not true. Mm -hmm. And then the other really, you know, sad message was, you know, girls, 
you know, inside of this type of conservative church, like had no roles, you know, you can't be a minister, you can't hold the title of pastor, you can't sit in leadership uh, circles or tables where decisions are made for the church. The man is the head of the house, the man is the head of the church, the men are in charge of everything except their lust for you. And that's your fault. And that is your fault because you showed your belly button or you wore a two-piece bathing suit. Oh, and you got uh, sexually assaulted. Well, what were you wearing? Mm -hmm. And so, which has unraveled in evangelicalism in the last five, six years, seven years of just uh, sexual scandals coming out, you know, from inside these churches and this outcry of women going, you know... We were we were sexually assaulted and sexually abused, and then the leadership of the church covered it up. And then they were gaslit. And then they were gaslit. You know, what were you wearing? Or, you know, why didn't you speak out earlier? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and which is such an ignorant gaslighting response, because if you have if you're trauma informed in any way, you know that there's so much shame mm-hmm. and that most victims remain quiet. You know, it's why people for decades and decades will, you know, not talk about um, uh, sexual abuse in their childhood. And they might be 50 years old and they have sometimes even completely repressed the memory and then it comes out. And so, um, but that was all part of, and the fruit, the rotten fruit of purity culture. But that's the message that like Jenny and I growing up inside of conservative church, that was the message all around us. Um, it was in the camps, at the conferences, it mm-hmm. was in the, the literature around like the subject of sex, this is how we're going to teach it. And it was, it was incredibly damning. Well, and then we had a ceremony. where (laughs) the Uh parents could get their children a purity ring and um, present them on this night Uh with this purity ring that you wore on your left ring finger and you were supposed to wear it until it was replaced with your wedding band and then you gave it to your spouse and then you signed a card that said you will never have sex until you were married. Yes. And we had one friend who was like, I ain't signing it. And she was like, I'm 13. Do you really think I know what I'm going to do when I'm 16 or 18 or 21? Or if I ever get married, she's like, uh, uh, and we were like, <gasps> what? We were like, we slut shamed her. And now we're uh, like, oh, we she shouldn't was, have signed it either. We should not have signed it. Bless her. She was the wise one, by she the way. She was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And we had these, like this is Jenny calls it the ceremony. Does this sound like the handmaid's tale to anybody? Yeah. Praise be. May the Lord not May, open. Yeah. Don't open nothing. That's right. Uh, we would have the ceremony and I could just imagine like our non-evangelical friends that we would invite to the ceremony. They probably, they're like, what kind of cult are y'all yeah. in? And I'm like, it's the evangelical cult of the 1990s. Purity yes. culture is what it was. But yeah. Oh yeah. That's all true. And so we wore these purity rings and, and so our worth was tied only to our virginity. Mm-hmm. And there, there is so much research now uh, coming out that just says how absolutely uh, vicious that whole pack of doctrine was mm-hmm. that it produced women by and large who subjected themselves to abusive relationships along the way, uh, whether it was a power dynamic or whether it was real true physical abuse in that sense, um, inside of a marriage. And, um, 
and there's a book Jenny and I are going to deep dive with y'all very soon um, by Sheila Gregoire, and it's called She Deserves Better. Mm -hmm. And she does research. um, I think her test group was 7,000 women. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, y'all, the research coming out is so... Shocking, chilling, chilling, uh, insightful. Yes, but but talking about sex, she's like, we have got to have better conversations mm-hmm. about sex and well, and stop panicking. Yeah, stop panicking, mom. Stop panicking. If the conversation is not just about abstinence, mm-hmm. and I say that from a place of I am not saying we're going to greenlit your high schooler in a sex life. I don't think that's healthy either. No. They're not ready for it emotionally, physically, spiritually. They're not ready. But I'm telling you, if the whole conversation is abstinence and that's all you're willing to talk about, guess who they're not going to talk about sex with? You. Mm -hmm. We have a good friend, mutual friend, and she has um, a middle schooler and then younger kids. And she grew up very similar in church like we did. And um, we were talking about youth group and just you know, how we want to talk about these um, hot topics with the kids, but without the whole um, slut shaming or, you know, abstinence only kind of thing. She said, because nobody ever told me why it was so important to not sleep around. Right. It was just, you don't do it because God said it's only for marriage. She's like, nobody said anything about the emotional ties that you mm. have with everybody that you sleep with. Amen. And nobody tells you about the, you know, the, the thoughts in your head with that you keep. Yes. And that you try not to keep, you try to avoid, and then they come back up. She's like, nobody says anything about the emotional damage that you're doing to yourself. Yes. It's all about your virginity. It's all about your, you know, being pure for your husband or for your wife. And she's like, nobody talks about the real reasons. That's right. That's so true. Oh gosh, that's so enlightening. So talk about sex, talk about it with other moms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've definitely come a long way on this because again, I'm evangelically house trained to, you know, spit out that same doctrine that was shoved down my throat that I don't even believe in and anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to say that anymore. Not that I ever did. (laughs) And I sure didn't practice it. (laughs) You know, I didn't. And, um, and it, it was so damaging because I mean, if, if the only goal is virginity, well, guess what? Some girls and, and some women, don't even get to decide about where their virginity landed. Yeah. Okay. It was taken. It was stolen. It was never theirs to give. Mm-hmm. So you start that conversation and they already feel like they have nothing that they can offer their spouse yeah. on their wedding day. And it, again, I think it's such a lie from Satan because it's something God has created and it's supposed to be beautiful and part of our flourishing inside of healthy, awesome, passionate marriages. Mm-hmm. And the enemy is hijacking it in this way. Well, and I only remember hearing things about how you could check how a girl lost her virginity. There's no way to tell yeah. if a boy has lost his. Yeah. And so he can lie all he wants <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and nobody will be the wiser. That's right. And it's all about the girl and being able to prove that she's a virgin. Yeah. And and, and gross, Gross. by the way. Gross. So talk to your kids about sex. Have conversations. Um, And and again, we know this isn't comfortable. No. Again, we're not trying to green light 
teenagers having a sex life. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but we have to have better conversations around this. So talk to your kids about sex, mm-hmm. um, and and that that starts before high school. Oh, way before, and, and not like eight. Like my dad told me, Jen, <laughs> that passion. It'll get you. I was eight, and that's what he told me. She's like, I only have passion for like math, <laughs> uh, math, and I was gonna Science. give you. I was gonna say candy, you know. Oh, I did love some candy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So have conversations about sex. Have healthy conversations. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else, Jenny? Do you have anything? This else? one kind of piggybacks off of the tribe having a good good tribe. Okay. One of my dear friends said that. Um, friendships might change based on new phases of life or a different phase of life. Mm. Let them change. Oh. And I, I thought that was so wise. She said, don't fight it because chances are you need to find a group that fits your new priorities without judgment or annoyance. So let old, old friends change into a different role without resentment or some sort of death grip, like white knuckling them so that you can fully enjoy new people in the same phase of life. And I thought that was so wise because your tribe does change throughout your life. Yes. I mean, if you have that friend, like I've had got Brenna, we've been friends for 30 years. Yeah. But even our friendship has changed over the years in different phases of life. Yeah. And in proximity to each other, because we haven't lived close to each other for almost most of our adult friendship. Correct. Yeah. And so it does look different. Mm -hmm. And if you're only lamenting like how you used to be, you're missing out on what that friendship looks like now yes. and what that person means to you now. Yes. And and then you don't allow for new people to come in that yes. God maybe want once in your life for you to learn from, glean from, or even teach. Yes. So I, I found that so wise. I loved that. I love that too. Well, and that's, that's a great nod. One of my very best friends is Diana, and we are definitely going to have Di on this show. She has so much to offer us. Um, but... Di got married at 40, had her first and only baby at 42. And so she has um, a six-year-old and, you know, I I have a 12-year-old. So she has a kindergartner and I have a sixth grader. We're not in the same parenting life stage. Mm -hmm. And so um, that changes. You know, she talks about all if if, if, if she's going to have mom friends, like, you know, her son's uh, friends, moms as her own friends. She's like, they're all 30. Yeah. And so you just, but you, but she recognizes like, that's important. She needs to have those younger women as her friends because they're sharing life stage because their children are the same age. And so that changes, you know, even the friendship dynamics and you're thinking, Oh gosh, you know, I'm 48 and now I'm friends with like a 30 year old, Mm -hmm. you know, but the fact that your kids are the same age, that kind of levels that playing field. So it's just interesting because of how people are doing life different now. Mm -hmm. Some people are waiting longer to have kids and then some people are still like, Hey, let's have them when we're young so we can like be young grandparents and, you know, all those other fun things. And, you know, and so your friend group can look so drastically different than the, the nuclear way it always used to look like you get married at 24 and you have your first baby at 26 to 28, you know, we're all in the same stair step. It's not, Mm -hmm. it looks different. So I I love that. Like keep your heart and mind open for those new friendships and relationships and don't hold with white knuckled fists to those. Right. And she, she goes on to say, be around people that you can relax around because I mean, I know I've taken my kids to places where I'm like, don't touch that. 
oh, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to sit on the couch and you're not going to move. And if you want to play with something, twirl your hair. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Because <laughs> you're just such a nervous wreck. Yeah. And then you leave and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even enjoy myself because I was so worried that my kid was going to break something or mess something up or right. touch the wrong thing or use the wrong spoon or whatever. Right. And then I have friends that I'm like, no, you can't go in and act like a wild banshee, but I am relaxed. Yes. And if my kid does spill something, that mom and that dad, they're not going to be like out. <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, yes. oh, well, it just matches the other thing. Exactly. <laughs> So that that was very very wise yeah. counsel. I thought I love it. Okay, um, you have another one. I do. This is probably kind of my my little wrap up for for me. Um, someone told us this early on, and it's so true. And here here's the statement: parent when they are little, so that you can be their friend when they're an adult. Yes. And be careful not to get mixed that up and get it backwards. Mm-hmm. If you try to be their their friend, if you try to be their friend when they are little, then you will still be parenting an adult child. Yes. <laughs> and so I think that's so wise and it's so easy to give in when they're little because you are so exhausted and they're so cute and you're just tired and and it's a ton of work and it's easy to want to turn that off and not do the hard things. It's easy to not want to, like we did that one time, like, okay, we're, we're going to pack up at this family dinner with guests from out of town and we're going to take this child home Mm -hmm. because our relationship with that child was the most important thing And, and to solidify with her boundaries and that she does not get to dishonor people with her poor behavior and, and let me tell you, that cost us because that was not what we wanted to do. That was not fun. That was embarrassing. That was hard. Um, and, but it, it was the right, it was the right decision mm-hmm. in that moment. And so those are some of the things that, that you have to do when they're little um, so that you get to be their friend when they're an adult because mm-hmm. they're raised yeah, they're always going to be your adult children. They're always going to come to you and want some guidance here and there. But the fact that you have given them good boundaries, good guidance, that's that firm, you know, foundation that we've talked about when they're little, that's what you're establishing when they are little. Yeah. And there does come an age where some of that is lost mm-hmm. because the time is gone. Yeah. And not that you can't rebuild and start a new foundation, but that's harder. Mm-hmm. That is harder it, it, when you wait longer. Yeah. It is. You have a lot of questions to answer at that point. <laughs> you, you do. Yeah. And a lot of account, uh, self-accountability. Yeah. Like, okay, you got a, you got a, a lot of apologies to make. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I have so many more on this list. Well, we could, we could come back next week and kind of go over your list with your doctor. Okay, because she's got, I mean, y'all, she is freaking hilarious and so wise and smart. And then I have tons of others that I haven't even gotten to. Let's do that. Let's let's do like make this a two parter and let's come back next week and hit some of those the, Cause she kind of breaks it down to age and stages, mm-hmm. which is very helpful. So we'll, yeah. we'll come back and, and do that. And some of these, I feel like can be their own episodes because they're <laughs> so stinking. There's so much meat there. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, okay. we'll do that. Okay. Do you have one to end on? Um, I would say, um, oh goodness. 
I'm going to end on don't take things so personally. Oh. I have very, in my core group, very wise mamas who, when their kids are acting up, they're like, they're such a butthole or they're so this, or, you know, it's, <laughs> they're, they're literally just like, okay, I'm going to let this slip off my back because they're little or whatever. They're having a bad day and I'm not going to take it personally. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you are a parent and you take every tantrum, every sassy comment, every eye roll, every door slam, every anything personally, yep. you will live offended for the rest of your life. Yes. And nobody likes that no. because you bleed out your insecurities you bleed out this um, victim role yep. mentality, and it's not even true. Yeah, and that can real easy turn into codependency yes. on your children for like the validation, like you need them to pump you up, lift you up, and that is not what they are here for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not their their purpose. And when then and then the second thing that leads to is not choosing your battles wisely. That's exactly which is right. exactly where we started. Mm-hmm. So if you're so offended by everything, everything's then a battle. Yes. And it's not. Yeah. It's really not. Oh, I think that's so wise because that just exhausts you further. Oh, yeah. And then you're not the parent that you want to be. And you can't be objective. Right. It's very subjective. You're looking inward versus you know, trying to observe and take all the sides into consideration and think, okay, why are they acting this way? Why are they doing this? Why am I responding this way? So yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Pick your battles. Pick all your battles. goes back to that. That's right. All right, Jenny, we're going to end with our things that make you go, Hmm, what's on your mind today? Well, I have some thoughts from our children. Oh, Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> so I asked all of our girls, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about mama? I asked my three girls that, and I asked Emery that. <gasps> You did? Yeah. And then I asked, what is one thing you hate about us? (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to try not to be offended. I'm going to pick my battle. Don't take it personally. (laughs) That's right. I'm going to choose my battles. Okay. Uh, So Karis said, she loves how understanding I am. That was one thing she loved about me. And then she said, um, she said, I don't hate it. I just, it's annoying. I'm like, oh, okay. I I accept that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll allow it. Yes. She said, how sometimes I want to fix things when she just needs to vent. Did we not just talk about that? You literally said that (laughs) in one episode ago. She goes, quit investigating all the time. (laughs) But you're a DIY PI. I know. And my Enneagram is a five and that's called the investigator. investigator. She's like, quit being yourself, mom. I know. I was like, okay, I think I can take that personally. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. So, and then Malin, my little middle bitty. Oh. She said, Mama, I can't think of one thing I love about you because I love everything. Oh. And then she said, and I can't think of anything I hate because I love everything. Oh. And I said, and that's why you're my favorite. That's right. <laughs> my favorite middle bitty. That's right. <laughs> Enneagram four, sweet yes. baby. Oh. And then Micah said, her favorite thing about me is when I do things with her. I do a lot of things with her. And on the flip side of that, she hates it when I'm lazy. To which Malin said, you can't be both. <laughs> So she identifies lazy as like you're reading or you're not like giving her like, yes, you know, uninterrupted attention. She wants to go to Targart every day. Oh, she does. Yes. And so when I say we're not going shopping, then I'm being lazy. Yeah. And she labels me lazy. Yeah. Because she knows that absolutely slays you. Yeah. Because I'm like, do you know what I did today? (laughs) Jenny's not lazy. So 
<laughs> okay, so, lay it on me. What did Emery Noel say? I'm scared. Emery was so sweet. She said, um, she loves that you are lovable and caring and that you always make her feel better. She also loves that y'all have the same sense of humor so that y'all can laugh together. She says something that is annoying about you is that you repeat yourself and that when you say something, she has to listen. But when she says something, you are sometimes distracted by your phone, but you always come back around. Oh, oh Lord. Do y'all notice that Jenny, her children gave her, she she has three children. They know to give her one sentence uh-huh. on each side of that question. Those questions, my child, the only child, <laughs> three sentences for each question. Oh, yeah. Because and She texted me like, oh, sorry, um, it corrected me. What I meant was, and then she elaborated. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I know. Oh, so sweet. I love her. I love all of her babies. I so so blessed with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, my, my things that make you go, Hmm, is I'm just, again, circling back to this book, parenting, getting it right by Andy and Sandra Stanley. We would love to go through this book with y'all this summer. Uh, we know that we have so much we can learn from all of you. So this is not just about um, inviting parents in the conversation who have children under their roof. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, I'm speaking to the Papa Geese. I'm speaking mm-hmm. to the Gagas and the Lulus and the the people that have adult children out of the house. We need you yeah. at our tables. We need to glean from your wisdom, your experience, um, the things you got right that you want to pass on, the things you got wrong mm-hmm. that you want to caution us. Um, so we want all of you at the table. We want this table where we sit and discuss this to be an accurate representation of the body of Christ, of community, of faith, of believers who are just trying to help one another. We need your help. Well, and even for t- this episode and reaching out to our tribes, it was so interesting for me to read the advice or things learned um, from somebody who has adult children versus those who have younger children. Yeah, it is I, what I found is those that are in the process of raising kids right now, like under the roof, little kids, high schoolers, whatever. It is so in the moment stuff. Yes, and stages, and then for those who have adult children, it, it's that that broader spectrum of. Um, I wish I would have done this better. However. God covered it. That's right. And like the pick your battles. Like That's I right. probably, they probably picked some horrible battles yes. just like we do in the, in the midst of it. Yes. But for them to look back, those were the things that were like the, the gold mine. Yes. I love it. Oh, we, we want y'all to please join us and do this study with us this summer. Let's just read a book. Let's get together and break bread and laugh and cry and tell our stories. And, and, um, I think that we will honor God so well. I think Mm -hmm. Jesus, he says, where two or more are gathered, I am there in the midst of you. And so we know Jesus will be there with us, helping us and guiding our conversations and and giving us strength because we we need strength from the Lord. We need strength from each other Mm -hmm. to carry out this this calling on our lives to parent well. Mm -hmm. So if you are interested in doing this um, book study with us, reading this book, then please send us an email. Those are our email addresses in the show notes, or send us a direct message through Facebook or Instagram. If you know us personally, then please text us and um, 
for those of you that already reached out, we're so excited. Oh my gosh. We are so, we already have a little small group. Yep. So y'all come on. We, we are excited. We don't care what church you go to, yeah. or if you don't even go to a church, that is okay. Come and sit with us. We can learn from you. You can learn from us mm-hmm. and, um, we need each other. Yeah. We need you. We're better together. Okay. And then a quick word, uh, how are you doing in book club girls? <gasps> One true loves Taylor. Reed, Jenkins, Jenkins, Holy, Molly. I, it is so good. I can already pick the cast in my mind. Yeah. Because they said there's a book coming out or a movie coming out, right? I think it already came out, but I don't want to, I don't even want to deep dive it because I'm picturing these people in my mind. And so I don't want to, yeah. Oh, it is so good. It's so good, y'all. So we're going to have our precious Lauren and Lindy back with us here in a couple of weeks to discuss this book. We cannot wait to talk about it with them. Um, Y'all. Uh, it's so good. If you so. haven't started and you feel like it's too late, it's not. It's not too late. Get it. Listen to it. Read it. You will not be able to put it down. Not at all. It is so good. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, and I started it late too. I did. I was not feeling good and reading was hard. I was having a hard time keeping my eyes open and I started it this weekend and I am almost done already. Yep. So y'all get it. And um, anyway, we love you so much. Come back next week as we kind of continue part two of this. And Jenny's going to deep dive some of these um, doctoral notes yes. from her fancy friends <laughs> who we love so much. Thank you all for contributing and yes, giving us your you. answers. We love you so much. Love y'all. That's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for sharing your time with us. You can follow us on Instagram at jenandjuice.ig and on Facebook at jenandjuice. And I'm Jenny. You can follow me on Instagram at jennyhill.ig. That's Jenny with the J and an I. And I'm Juice, aka Jessica. You can follow me on Instagram at jessicaphillips.ig. We can't wait to meet you here again next week as we continue these conversations where, as always, we're here to help a sister and brother out. Yo! Yeah!